Amen. Go ahead and get your Bibles and open them to the book of Exodus. We're continuing our sermon series through this wonderful book. This morning, we're going to begin our study together in chapter 5, verse 1, and we're going to make it all the way through chapter 6, verse 9. We're not going to read every verse, but, but we'll, we'll walk through that together. And this morning, we're going to look at a theme this morning um, that is... Uh, a theme that we've all experienced. It's something that we've all experienced, right? We're, today we're gonna talk about disappointment, right? And let me give you a good working definition for disappointment. Disappointment is when our thoughts and our expectations don't line up with reality, all right? Disappointment is when our thoughts and our expectations don't line up with reality. And we all know in this room uh, that we're going to face disappointment, right? It's not if, it's when. And we learn that from a very, very young age. We live in a, a post-Genesis 3 world. There's sin all around us. There's brokenness all around us. And just general things that lead us to a place of, of disappointment, things that we think are going to happen or we expect to happen, and then they don't. Aaron and I were talking about this this week. As parents, we have that opportunity to help our children navigate this uh, all the time, right? I remember when we first started here at Fellowship Olathe, uh, our kids were super pumped about their first vacation Bible school here at this church. I mean, they were ready to go. They were excited. Man, we had talked about this thing for months. They had even invited their friends. Neighbors said that they could go. Like, we were just so excited, celebrating all that God was doing. And we're like, man, this is going to be the greatest week of vacation Bible school ever, right? And then Friday before that, uh, I got a positive COVID test. And then so did everyone else in our family, right? And so uh, we didn't get to go to vacation Bible school. Instead, we got to quarantine together, all right? Did anybody have that wonderful experience, right? Like we, we ordered a trampoline on the internet, it was delivered to our front door, and we put that thing together to help keep our kids entertained because I don't know if you know this about COVID, but kids are fine in like eight hours, all right? Mom and daddy, we were not. Like for two weeks, we're like, what is happening to our bodies, right? And the kids like eight hours later were like, so what are we gonna do for 14 days, right? And so I, I say that they were disappointed though because they, they didn't get to participate in this VBS that, that we had really uh, built up. I remember our, our, one of our daughters, Landry, recently had this happen a couple weeks ago. She had this field trip that they had been talking about all year in their class. And so she was super pumped, excited to be able to go on this field trip. And she wakes up that morning with a fever and we found out that she had strep throat. So you talk about have, having to help her navigate disappointment. Uh, she had looked so forward to this and then all of a sudden she couldn't. And so her thoughts and her expectations weren't lining up with reality, right? And then our littlest one, even at three years old, we just went through this a couple weeks ago. Uh, they put together a, a family festival type thing uh, at the school and, and the kids were all excited. The older ones had been talking about for weeks uh, that they were going to have real rides there, right? Like not just cakewalk and, and all that kind of stuff. And like the little thing where you throw the, the line behind the curtain and a fish that, you know, and then you catch a bag of Cheez-Its or whatever. Like it wasn't just that, like real rides, okay? And they're going to be out on the blacktop and they are pumped and they're excited and we get there and and all of them are able to get on. And here's Lincoln. She's a three-nager. So she's three going on 13. And so she's just like, hey, I'm following brother and sister on this ride too. And they're like, whoa, 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 you can't ride this because you're not this tall, right? And so we had to navigate that with her. I just encouraged her. I was like, baby, daddy was in high school before I got to ride <laughs> rides like this. And so, you know, cal calm down. But they, they faced disappointment. 
And, and, and they face it at a very young age, right? When they're little, they're kids and, and all that. But the truth is, is that all of us in the room face disappointment. And it doesn't just stop when we're little, because like I said, we live in a, a fallen world, right? We're gonna experience the results of sin. And we're gonna experience the results of brokenness. And things happen to us all the time that fall outside of our thoughts and our expectations of how things will go or even should go, Right? And when we face those things, we experience disappointment. Now, what we're going to talk about this morning, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture, and Moses and Aaron and the people of God, they are going to experience disappointment, but they allow that disappointment to lead them to a place of discouragement, and ultimately, that discouragement is going to lead them to a place of disbelief. And so that's why I want us to study this passage this morning and talk about disappointment because as believers, we know that we're going to face it and we need to be equipped in facing it so that we don't end up in a place that the people in this story do, a place of disbelief where we no longer trust God and we don't understand his, his goodness or we don't trust his word, right? So we want to guard our hearts and guard our minds against those. And so we'll talk about that at the conclusion today. What are some of the things that we need to do as believers when we face disappointment so that we don't end up in a place of disbelief, all right? And so pray with me one more time this morning and then we'll begin to work our way through this this text. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. God, we thank you for the encouragement that we find in it. And God, I pray that this morning that that's exactly what we see here in this passage. God, we're going to talk about a subject that isn't fun, and we're going to look at it. We're going to talk about disappointment. But God, I pray that every single person in this room this morning leaves out these doors encouraged. God, this isn't a place for us to stay as believers in you, as believers in Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that you would encourage us today, remind us God, of the hope that we have in you. God, remind us of, of, of the, the trust that we have in you, God, because you are faithful every single day forever. And so, Lord, I pray that this would ultimately be an encouragement for all of us in this room, God, particularly those that are going through difficult things. God, maybe there's somebody in this room today, God, that's faced some disappointment and some discouragement, or God, they're about to. And so we pray that you would just work in their heart and in their mind, and that you would encourage them with this text. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen. All right, as I said, we're gonna work our way through it, starting in chapter five, verse one, and we're gonna end this morning in chapter six, verse nine. But look at chapter five, verse one, because it helps us set the context for us here. So it says, afterwards, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Now we've gone over this many, many times. A good a practice to put into place as a believer when you go to God's word is when you see a word like afterward, that should be your, your sign that you need to go back and read something before because it's wanting us to understand that there's something that happened before this that we need to understand for context, all right? And so what happened just before this? Well, we finished our time together last week with Moses and Aaron going before the people of Israel and remember, God told them, you're going to take this message to the people and they will believe, right? Now, it took some encouragement because Moses threw out everything that he could possibly think of as a reason not to go and not to do what God was asking him to do. But God encourages him and compels him to take this message, reassures him that it's going to be met 
with them believing and ultimately worshiping him. And that's what happens at the end of chapter four in verse 29 and 30 uh, through 31, Moses and Aaron show up. They share with God's people his plan to deliver them from Egypt. The Bible tells us that they believe and that they worship. Now, if you remember, there's a second piece to what God instructed Moses to do. He said, go to the people. And then after you go to the people, you're gonna go to Pharaoh, right? And so now they're on that piece. Now they're gonna go before Pharaoh and share with Pharaoh all that God had commanded them. Now, before we get into the rest of this passage, I wanna remind us for, for the purpose of context that God has already told Moses and Aaron that you're gonna go share with Pharaoh and Pharaoh will not let the people go, but he's going to be compelled to let them go by my mighty hand, right? And so that's where we pick up in this text. So we start with Moses and Aaron in verse one, and now they've gone to the people of Israel, they go before Pharaoh, and they say, thus says the Lord. And you can imagine on their behalf right now, like now they've got a little bit of confidence. They didn't have confidence before, but they went to the people of Israel, and what God said would happen, happened. And so now you almost imagine that they go before Pharaoh with like a little bit of swagger, right? Like they're gonna go to Pharaoh like, hey, listen, thus says the Lord. You're to let his people go. And then we're gonna see Pharaoh's response starting in verse two. Because it's not in alignment with what Moses and Aaron thought would happen here. Look at verse two. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Verse three, then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen. You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves, but the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore, they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words, all right? And so this is when Moses and Aaron are faced with this opportunity to, to be hit with disappointment, right? Their thoughts and their expectations are not matching reality in this moment. Now, remember, like we said, up to this point, everything that God said would happen has happened. They went to the people, the people believed and worshiped. They went to Pharaoh. God already told them, Pharaoh's not gonna let my people go. But what else did God say? He will after he's compelled by my mighty hand. So you can imagine Moses and Aaron go before Pharaoh and they're thinking like, okay, here we go. He's saying that he's not doing it. He's not gonna let the people go. All right, God, it's time for you to do some compelling, right? So they're just, they're just like, all right, God, let's, let's, let's see it. Let's let him have it here. And what happens, instead of God compelling him with his mighty hand in this moment, is things actually get worse for the people of God. So just when they think like, man, we're right here, like God's gonna deliver us, he's gonna compel him by his mighty hand to let his people go, Pharaoh's like, no, I'm not letting you go. In fact, not only am I not letting you go, I'm gonna make your burdens heavier than they were before. Now you're gonna stick with the same quota 
of making bricks and serving, but we're no longer gonna supply for you straw. You're gonna have to go out and collect straw on your own, is basically what Pharaoh's saying. So now this creates even more work for the people. So you can imagine, now they've gotta spend time going out and collecting straw before they can come back and even make these bricks to meet their quota. And so in the story here, things are not going the way they thought they would. Things are not aligning with their expectations. They're thinking that God's gonna compel him and send the people out, and God doesn't compel him in this moment, and everything gets worse than it was before. This is a moment of disappointment. Moses and Aaron are going, wait, this isn't, this isn't at all what we thought was going to happen. And so we continue to work through this text, and we see that it has an impact and response on all the people involved. So look down in verse 15 and 16 with me. The Bible tells us that the foreman, now these are, the foremen are, are representatives of Pharaoh, but they're, they're Israelites, right? And so they're, they're there to help the people do the work that they've been given to do. So we continue to see how this eventually goes from disappointment to all-out discouragement. So look at verse 15. Then the foreman of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, make bricks, and behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own People. So they are going from a place of disappointment to a place of outright discouragement. And we see this play itself out because after Pharaoh responds to him, he says, listen, you're just lazy. All of you people are lazy and you're idle. Get back to work and collect your own straw. So things don't go well for him even when the foreman approached Pharaoh. And we see in verse 20 and 21 that ultimately it comes back to Moses and Aaron. So look at these verses. It says, they met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge because you've made a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. So they're disappointed. They're now discouraged. They come out of their meeting with Pharaoh. Things are still getting worse than they were before. And then they see Moses and Aaron standing out there, right? And you can imagine like how you would feel in this moment, like you would want to have some interaction with them as well, wouldn't you? And so they go up to Moses and Aaron and they go, listen, this is your fault. It's because of you two that things have gotten worse for us, right? You've made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh. Like, like, why are you going before him to do these things? I know God said to go, but man, look, things aren't going well. We would have been better off had you never gone and spoken to him, right? At least then they were bringing a straw. We'd rather be able to go back to that. And so they begin to point the finger at Moses and at Aaron. This is all your fault. And then we see Moses' response in verse 22 and 23. So continue reading with me. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. So the, the people point to Moses and Aaron. They go, this is your fault. Moses and Aaron do the classic you know, continuation, right? It reminds me of Genesis chapter 3 when God comes to Adam, and he says, why have you sinned? And he goes, hey, listen, this lady, all right, this, this woman that you gave me, uh, really, this is her fault. And so, so he, he continues to point on, and that's what's happening here. So Moses and Aaron, they, they turn and point to the only one that they can, and that's God himself. This is kind of a dangerous place to be, right? 
You've probably been here before though. If you're gut level honest, if you've ever experienced real disappointment, real discouragement, real misunderstanding, the way that you thought things would play out in your life, the things that you expected to happen, particularly when it comes to what you thought God would do, what you expected God to do, you begin to turn to God and point to him and go like, what's going on here? And so Moses points to God and he begins to challenge God in his word. And then he, he begins to ask him things like, why did you even send me here? Remember back when, when Moses was having this conversation with God last week that we were, God was trying to encourage him, right? But in the middle of his encouragement, Moses is like, hey, listen, like, can you just send someone else? I think deep down, like way deep down, Moses knew something like this could happen. And so he's like, just send somebody else, please, I beg you. And then this is what happens. And so Moses turns back to God and says, this is why I didn't want to come here. Because I knew something like this might happen. And so he's faced with disappointment, he's faced with discouragement, and now blaming God. And then he says to God, for you've not delivered your people at all. Moses is pointing back to God going, listen, I've, I've held up my end of the deal. I mean, this is real dangerous territory, right? God, I did what you asked me to do. And you're not holding up your end of the deal. Which, by the way, is not anything that God ever said would happen or wouldn't happen. In fact, God was very clear before any of this even took place that when you go before Pharaoh, Pharaoh's not going to believe. He's not going to believe and he's not going to let the people go until compelled by my mighty hand. And I think Moses had a way in his mind that this would happen. That this would happen quickly. That this would happen pain-free, right? This would be easy. And it's so easy for us as believers to fall in this same trap. We think that because God has promised us something that we have a way that it's gonna play itself out. Our thoughts and our expectations. And then when things don't go to our thoughts and our expectations, we're easily disappointed and we're easily led to a place of discouragement. And ultimately we get to a place where we start going, hey, listen, you're not holding up your end of the deal, God. And that's a dangerous place to be for everyone. So we see that Moses points the finger back to God and says, listen, you haven't done what you said that you would do. And then we see God respond in chapter six, verses one through eight. And again, this just demonstrates to us God's patience and God's kindness, right? Because like when Moses starts pointing fingers at God and saying all this stuff, you're like, you better take cover, right? Like you're saying stuff that Lord, Lord might strike you down in the middle of all this, but God demonstrates his patience and his kindness towards Moses, just like he's patient and kind towards you and I, because we have to learn this lesson so many times. I don't know why Aaron and I were talking about this week. She's like, why do I have to keep learning this? And I said, I don't know, because I'm in the same boat with you, right? I, I wish I had the answer, but God's patient, he's good, he's kind, and he responds to Moses. Verse one of chapter six, but the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Now, when he says remember there, God didn't forget 
and then remember. He's saying, I'm acting on, right? So I've remembered my covenant. I've put this into motion. You have assurance of outcome here. Like I've remembered my covenant. So verse six, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. So in the middle of all this disappointment and discouragement and finger pointing and all this, God is patient and loving and kind towards Moses. And he says, listen, I'm going to share this with you one more time because I want you to be encouraged. I know what's happening. I have a plan and you can be assured of the outcome of that plan. Now be encouraged and go to the people and encourage them with my words as well. So Moses goes to the people and we see in verse nine, the people's response to what God says. Look at verse nine. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and their harsh slavery. So we said disappointment led to a season of discouragement. Their discouragement has now led them to a place of disbelief. Man, is God good? Does God care? Does God see? In fact, we're a step beyond that, I would argue. They're to the point now where they're like, I don't really even care anymore. They don't even have ears to hear about God's plan and God's goodness. And listen, that's a, that's a place that we can all get very, very easily. If we don't guard our hearts and we don't guard our minds, it's easy to allow our disappointment to turn into discouragement and then to be discouraged to the point and for so long that we allow ourselves to come to a place of disbelief. And that's what I don't want us to do as believers in Christ. There's an alternative to this. And it's about focus. And it's about putting our, our focus on the right place, right? And that's what they failed to do here. They put their focus on all the wrong things and it just continues to lead them down a path of discouragement and ultimately to a place of disbelief. And all the while, if they would have just focused on God and his promises and trusted in him, they would have been just fine. Now, I'm not saying that they wouldn't have experienced all these things. They still would have experienced what they're gonna experience. That's not how God works. God doesn't swoop in and fix everything. He doesn't heal you from all your diseases. He doesn't do those things. But what he has done is provide a way for you to have salvation, right? That's the picture in the book of Exodus, that God is redeeming his people. And they're still gonna have to go through some difficult days and they're still gonna have to go through some hard times and they're gonna face disappointment and they'll even face discouragement. But God's heart for us is that we would not come to a place of disbelief. And instead we would focus in on him instead of all the stuff and thus be able to navigate the disappointment that the Bible tells us that we're sure to face. Bible says that, you know, 
I, I, I cringe at any notion of prosperity gospel. I don't, I don't know what Bible people are reading when they act like God's gonna fill your bank account and everything's gonna be smooth and everything's gonna be great and everyone's gonna be healthy. That's not what this teaches. But it does teach us that in the middle of all that, we have Jesus. Right, so that's a couple of things I want to encourage us with before we leave together this morning. I've got three things that are just reminders to us about focus, reminders to us about trust when we face disappointing things, when we face discouraging things. Listen, somebody in this room is gonna get a diagnosis that they don't want. You're gonna, you're gonna show up to work one day and hear news that you don't wanna hear. You're gonna have to navigate something as a family that's gonna be big and serious, and you're gonna need to cling to these truths in the middle of that, all right? So let me share them with you real quick. As always, these are not revolutionary things or new things. These are just, these are just things that we've always known we need to be reminded of again and again and again. Number one is this. Trust God, not your feelings. Trust God, not your feelings. Listen, we live in a culture that is quick to tell you to trust your heart and do what you think is right. Like that, that's rubbish. It goes against what the Bible says. The Bible says actually the opposite of that. Don't trust your feelings, right? Could you imagine if you trusted your feelings? How many of you were a teenager at one point in your life, right? Like if you trusted your feelings, like how many people were you, were you certain that you were gonna marry that you didn't marry? And you're like, praise be to God, right? Like, God knows what he's doing here, right? So trust God and not your feelings. If you begin to trust your feelings, like you're gonna get taken off course and it's gonna happen very, very quickly. Listen, the people of God faced something that was disappointing and they trusted their feelings and it led them to a place of outright discouragement because they didn't focus on God. They didn't trust in God the way that they should. They began to believe what they were feeling which is a very dangerous place to get. In fact, I was talking to Aaron about this this week. It's crazy to me, and I so relate to this because it's like our story as believers, right? Like, like God has redeemed us as his people, but we're still here. We're still facing difficulty. We've got this promise out in front of us, but we should be the most confident people on the face of the earth. Not because we're not gonna face hard things, because we're assured of the outcome. This last week, we've seen Tim Keller went on to be with the Lord. Many of you probably know him. He was, he was famous for always saying things like that. Like, listen, like, this is a win-win for me. I either stay here and continue to be with my family and love Jesus, or I get to go be with Jesus. It's a win-win, right? And, and that's the encouragement we see. Like, the people of Israel in this text should have been the most confident people on earth, you guys seen the, the, the movie Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? You know, they talk about whistle while you work. You're gonna have that stuck in your head the rest of the day. You're welcome, all right? <laughs> Let us whistle while we work. I needed to sing it just to make sure that it took root. So they're working and they're doing that. Why? Because of the joy they have, because of the confidence they have. Like, like I, I couldn't help myself this week but think, man, on the way out to get straw, their attitude should have freaked the Egyptians out. Because every day they're going to collect straw. And instead of coming to a place of discouragement, they should have been trusting in God and been the most confident people. They'd have been whistling while they worked, right? On the way out, they're just singing praises to the Lord. Why? Because they know. 
that God is about to compel Pharaoh with a mighty hand. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but I know it's coming. Why? Because God said. And so every single day that I go out to gather straw, boy, I'm going out to gather straw with a confidence that, that cannot be quenched. Because as they go out, the Egyptians should have been like, what is happening here? We doubled their work. We made them collect their own straw and they, they don't just seem fine with it. It's like, it's like they're filled with joy. Why? Because they, they know what's happening. So that's my encouragement to you is when you're facing disappointment and discouragement, don't trust your feelings, trust God. Keep your focus on him through the middle of all these things and don't, don't trust and put all your hope in what you feel in that moment. And praise be to God that God's kept me from that place time and time and time again. Because I can't, I don't have time to share with you today the number of times when, when I got to this place again and, and my feelings begin to take over and I begin to question God and his plan and his goodness and all this stuff. Instead, God wanted me to just focus on him and trust him through that season. Number two, trust God, not your eyes. Trust God, not your eyes. Like how many times do we have to see in this passage, in this book, in this text, in the, in the whole Bible, right? But we're gonna learn it time and time again in the book of Exodus. God sees and God knows and God's already doing something about it. How many times is he working ahead of Moses and Aaron and the people of Israel? Every step of the way, God's out in front of them. And so that's my encouragement to us. Trust God, not our eyes, right? It reminds me of Matthew chapter 14 when Jesus is walking on the water and all the disciples are in the boat, right? And one of my favorite disciples, because he's so relatable to me, is Peter. And Peter sees Jesus walking on the water, and he's like, hey, I want to come out there and do that, right? Anybody in the room, you'd be that person? I'm like, I want to do that. And so Jesus calls him out to walk on the water, and the, the, the principle in this whole thing just like what we're talking about here is not trusting your eyes, but trusting God. When Peter's focus was on Jesus, everything was fine. Now, nothing stopped around him. It was still happening, but his focus was on Christ and not on all of the stuff, right? And so he was trusting in Jesus and not trusting in his eyes. And then at some point, the story tells us that Peter becomes aware of the things that are going on around him, right? And so he takes his focus off Jesus and he looks down and he sees the storm and the waves and all the crazy. And the Bible tells us that he immediately begins to sink. And it's not until Jesus reaches down and pulls him back up and says, hey, right here, that things are okay again. So learn, all of us, we've got to learn this to stay focused on Jesus when we're facing discouragement, when we're facing disappointment. Stay locked in right there because if you start believing and trusting what your eyes are telling you, well, you're gonna get knocked off course real fast because there's gonna be some crazy. I remember seeing this play itself out. We were at the lake uh, last year and uh, Aaron's dad got this new boat where you can do uh, surfing, basically. I don't know exactly how it works. We all tried it. We're not very good at it, as you can imagine, but, but we're all trying to learn it and get up on this board. And Cameron, he's downstairs in kids, so, so I can share this story with you. Um, he just said, you can share the story, dad, just don't tell him how old I was. But I already told you it was last year, so sorry, Cam. But he's, he's trying to learn how to do this. And like he's, every time he gets up, this is where his head is. 
It's down here, right? With, with, the, with the waves and all the nonsense that's going on. And like, he cannot stay on this board. And finally, finally, I was just like, hey man, listen. Like when you get up, just look right here at mom and dad. Like we're right here in the back of the boat. If you would just look here instead, I think you'd be fine. And that's exactly what happened. It's the same thing we see in Matthew with Peter. His focus is on Christ through the middle of all the crazy and everything's okay. The storm didn't go away. The circumstances didn't change. The only thing that changed was in the middle of it, his focus was on Jesus and not on the stuff. So trust God, not your eyes. Number three, trust God, not your plans. Not your plans. The quickest way for you to find yourself in a place of disappointment is like we said, unmet expectations. Thoughts and expectations that we have that don't align with reality. And, and, and that's the trouble for all the people in this story. And this is why I think all of us have to continue to relearn this because it's, it's easy in, in principle, right? But hard in, in, in practice. They know the truth. God has already said, this is what you're to speak. This is what's gonna happen. So they've got two things in this story. They've got God's word and they've got the outcome. But everything in between is a little fuzzy, right? Because God didn't share those details. They didn't need those details. We don't either. We just need to know that this is what God said and that we're assured of this outcome. But this, this middle part, this waiting part, this fuzzy part, like this is the rest of all of our lives where we don't have all the details and stuff. But what we need to do in those moments is trust God in that and not our plans and be slow. Man, be slow to put expectations on God. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Most of the time we're frustrated with God because of unmet expectations and things that God never actually promised us in the beginning. They're all messed up, but actually this is playing out exactly the way that God said it would. He just didn't give them the timeline. Go before the people, they'll believe. Then go before Pharaoh. He's not gonna let them go until compelled by my mighty hand. And up to this point in the story, that's exactly how things have gone. They're just uncomfortable in the waiting because we want things to be now. None of us have ever thought in God's timing or in our timing, let me say that, correction, in our timing, that things would take longer than instantaneous, right? We just want results like, so when we don't feel good, God, we want healed. We don't, we don't wanna think about months of the journey. We want healing and we want it now, thanks. And it's the same thing with this. So be slow to put upon God plans and expectations that God hasn't given us. But that's what I wanna challenge. So trust God, not your plans. Because as we've said before, God is God and we're not. Listen, time and time and time and time again, we're led to a place where we don't have all the pieces to the story and we, we have a tendency to freak out a little bit, but God has all the pieces to the story. That's why God's not freaking out. God's not responding like the people are. God's not responding like Moses and Aaron are. In fact, we're gonna find out in a couple weeks, like if the people knew what they're about to know, they would have just skipped over all this mess and trusted God that he was gonna do what he said he was going to do. But God, God is already working a plan. And you know, it made me think of like, as we worked through the book of John earlier this year, 
There's a tie-in here for us as well with our salvation and God's good plan because he says, I'm gonna redeem you. The story of Exodus is about redemption. So God redeems his people, right? And he has a plan for them. He's gonna be their God. And that's, that's the whole future for them. But just before things get good, they get worse. And so we saw that as we studied the book of John. It's like the final week of Jesus to me. It's super challenging because as we rewind the clock and we go back through that, we can see that just before things get really good, they get the worst that they've ever been. Jesus starts out that week as Messiah providing them with salvation, right? And he finishes that week dead. But we were reminded that Sunday was coming. And so while the disciples are panicking and everybody else is panicking, man, God is just the whole time going, wait till they see. Wait till they see what I'm about to do. That's where we're at in the book of Exodus. God's just saying, listen, trust me and wait till you see what I'm about to do because Pharaoh and the Egyptians and every person on earth and the Israelites and Moses and Aaron, all of you are gonna come to the same conclusion that God is God and we're not. And he's God alone because what we've seen him do. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. God, for your word. God, we thank you for the encouragement that we find in it. God, even when we go to your word and we, we discuss topics like disappointment and discouragement, God, we're left encouraged because we have the rest of the story So God, I pray for all of us in the room, that's where we leave out of here today. God, if we're facing something that's been very hard and challenging, disappointing, discouraging, God, that we would rest, rest in the fact that you're God and we're not. And God, that you see and that you know and you have a plan and you're out in front of us and you're working. So God, help us to keep our focus on you. God, help us not to trust ourselves and our feelings and our own plans. But God, help us to trust you in all things that we face. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.